Good morning. My name is Greg Saypaul. I know a few of you, and I really appreciate the opportunity uh, to be here with you this morning. A happy July 4th to everybody. Would you please turn in your Bibles to the book of Daniel, chapter 6. Daniel, chapter 6, and we want to read just a few verses from Daniel 6, beginning in verse 16. So the king gave the command... And they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke, saying to Daniel, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace And spent the night fasting, and no musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke, saying to Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? Then Daniel said to the king, O king, live forever. My God sent his angel and shut the lion's mouths, that they have not hurt me, because I was found innocent before him. And also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den And no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. On January 15th, 2007, a duck hunter from Tallahassee, Florida, had a good day in the field. He bagged a number of ducks and took them home and put them in his spare refrigerator. A couple of days later, the wife of the hunter went out to that refrigerator, opened the door, And much to her shock, one of the ducks raised his head and looked at her. Well, she screamed and took the duck and went down to her local veterinarian office. There, the vets uh, named the the duck Perky. And they found that Perky uh, had been wounded in in the leg and in the wing. And even after living two days in a refrigerator, he was still alive and well. Well, they decided to operate on Perky, so a couple of days later, he was on the operating table, and that did not go well for the duck. He did not react well to the anesthesia, and during the surgery, he stopped breathing. They thought they had lost him, but the alert uh, surgeon administered uh, CPR to Perky. Can you imagine giving CPR to a duck? But anyway, he... uh, administered CPR to Perky, and he came back to life. And today, uh, Perky, and there he is, the wounded duck, is alive and well and living happily in the Goose Creek Wildlife Sanctuary near Tallahassee. I think you will agree with me that Perky is one brave duck. He stared death in the face and didn't blink. The Bible is full of stories about men who hung tough when the going got tough. And one of the most beloved stories in the Bible 
is Daniel in the lion's den. Daniel chapter 6. There Daniel too stared death in the face and didn't blink. How was he able to do it? The title of our sermon series this morning is Unlikely Heroes. That's our series this summer. When Daniel first came to Babylon, he was really an unlikely hero, for he was a boy of just 15 years. But over time, he and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, survived indoctrination into a pagan culture in chapter 1. They survived death plots against them in chapters 2 and 3. And they survived an invading army and regime change in chapter 5. His whole life, Daniel had experienced God's protecting presence. And he had indeed become a heroic figure. But now here in Daniel chapter 6, Daniel is perhaps an unlikely hero once again. The aging prophet is now in his 80s. And as we will see, he is the object of political intrigue and jealousy, racial bigotry, and he is under a death sentence for which there is no appeal. Can the old guy come through one more time? A husband and wife were getting ready for bed one evening, and the wife uh, looked at herself in the mirror one last time, and she did not like what she saw. An extra gray hair here, an extra wrinkle there. And she turned to her husband and said, will you love me when I'm old and gray? To which he replied, sure I do. (laughs) For all you men in the audience, that is not the right answer. Well, Daniel is old and gray. And yet now he is facing perhaps the biggest crisis of his life. Well, let's set up the context. Uh, if you would, look at the first three verses of Daniel chapter 6, and we'll read those. Daniel 6, 1 through 3. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps to be over the whole kingdom, and over these three governors, of whom Daniel was one, that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss. Then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him, and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm. The year is about 538 B.C. Judah is still under captivity, and Daniel had been in Babylon about 67 years. As I mentioned, we think he came, first came there when he was about 15, so this would put him now in his early 80s. Daniel is an important government official, and he has performed his duties so well that the king was thinking of promoting him above the other administrators. Well, this did not sit well with them. Look at verses 4 and 5. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. 
Daniel had performed his duties impeccably and with total integrity. These conspirators could find no dirt on Daniel. And so plan B went into effect. The plan they came up with would surely appeal to the king because practically it elevated him to an object of worship. Look at verses 6 through 9. So these governors and satraps thronged before the king and said thus to him, King Darius live forever. All the governors of the kingdom, the administrators and satraps, the counselors and advisors have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any god or man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast into the den of lions. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing so that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed the the written decree. So this is where Daniel finds himself. He has done nothing wrong, and yet he finds himself under a death sentence. Life was not fair for Daniel, and life is often not fair for us. We live in a fallen world. We can do things the right way and still end up suffering for it. Well, how would this aging prophet deal with it? How do we deal with misfortune? This morning we will learn three keys from Daniel for living a godly life and persevering through trial. Daniel no doubt faced this trial with courage. How was he able to muster up the boldness and strength that he needed to face a certain death? From Daniel 6, we will discover three qualities that Daniel had that enabled him to stand with courage. Daniel was a man of conviction, consistency, and confidence. So he had a courage that was fueled by conviction, fostered by consistency, and formed by confidence. First, the believer must have a courage that is fueled by conviction. Look at verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his his knees three times that day and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. A sign in the Red Dog Saloon in Juneau, Alaska reads, If our food, drinks, and service are not up to your standards... Please, lower your standards. Well, there's always the temptation, isn't there, to lower our standards, to compromise our convictions when the going gets tough. But I want you to focus on one thing in this verse, and that is this. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed. You see, this decree of death did not take Daniel by surprise. But that still did not sway him from the conviction that he needed to pray. Now we see from verse 10 that Daniel prayed with his windows open and on his knees and at three designated times every day. Now I know what many of you are thinking right now. 
Daniel, what is the big deal about having your windows open? Daniel, what is the big deal about being on your knees? Daniel, why is it so important to do it at the same time? Daniel, you are being a legalist. Wouldn't it be okay if just this once you closed your windows? Wouldn't it be okay if just this once you prayed while you were just walking around town? Wouldn't it be okay just this once if you did it at a different time? Well, sure. All of these things would would be okay. I mean, after all, why needlessly expose yourself to persecution, right? But is it okay the best question? Perhaps the better question is, what is best? And for Daniel, the best question was, what is best? Peter Marshall, former chaplain of the U.S. Senate, once offered up this prayer. Lord, give us clear vision that we may know where to stand and what to stand for. For unless we stand for something, we shall fall for anything. Daniel stood for something. He was convinced that his daily prayer to God was more important than anything. And he had a courage that was fueled by conviction that enabled him not to fall during time of trial. Well, not only did Daniel have a courage fueled by conviction, he also had a courage that was fostered by consistency. Look at verse 10 again. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. And in his upper room with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. In Reno, Nevada, the race isn't over until John Durham finishes. The 70-year-old marathoner usually finishes hours after the post-race fruit and yogurt have been consumed. He is way after the race t-shirts have been handed out. He has even come across aid stations in which all there was was a cup of water sitting on the ground. The tents, the chairs, the tables had long ago been folded up and taken away. You might think this might be disheartening for him, but he just says, well, if no one finishes last... How will they know when to turn the clock off? You see, John Durham knew that he was just too old and too slow to win a marathon. But for him, the main thing was finishing. And he knew if he could just consistently plot along, he would finish. And that was the most important thing. Well, in the same way, Daniel consistently lived out his relationship with God. Did you notice the last phrase of verse 10? It was his custom since early days. As we mentioned before, Daniel had been in Babylon about 67 years. I submit to you that Daniel has been following this procedure of praying to God before open windows three times a day for nearly 70 years. It was a positive, consistent pattern of living in his life that it becomes so ingrained in him that it was just automatic and he would do it no matter what. 
And I want you to see how this positive, consistent pattern of living carried over into his life. Look at verses 4 and 5 again. So the governors and satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. In the performance of his assigned duties, Daniel was totally honest and faithful. And his ethical stance was merely a reflection of his consistent walk with God. And even his enemies knew why he was ethical. It was his consistent walk with God. And look at verse 11. This is after Daniel went home and prayed. In verse 11, it says, Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Now, do you see the implication here? These conspirators were probably on an adjacent rooftop where they could look down into where Daniel lived. They knew exactly where Daniel would be. They knew exactly when he would be there, and they knew exactly what he would be doing. Daniel's positive, consistent pattern of living was open for everybody to see. Even the king could see it. For when he was about to toss Daniel into the lion's den in verse 16, he says, Your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Pastor Gardner Taylor was preaching one Sunday evening when the lights in his Depression-era Louisiana church began to flicker and went out. Taylor stood there for a few moments, not certain what to say or do. When a voice called out from in the back of the congregation, Preach on, preacher! We can still see Jesus in the dark. Well, Daniel lived in a dark world. And yet, with the light of his life, even his enemies could see the true and living God in the midst of the darkness they were living in. Now, let's go back for a moment to our earlier questions. Daniel, wouldn't it be okay if just this once you closed your windows? Daniel, wouldn't it be okay if just this once you you didn't get on your knees? Daniel, wouldn't it be okay if just this once you changed the time? Well, these answers now become even more clear. Because if, if Daniel had have altered just one thing, if he had closed his windows or whatever, he would have totally ruined his testimony before these people. You see, they showed up at exactly the right spot at exactly the right time. They had confidence that Daniel would come through. So if he'd have closed his windows or anything, he would have ruined his witness for them. And in fact, the morning after he was thrown in the lion's den, the king says in verse 20, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? If Daniel had compromised his consistent pattern of walking with God, the king would never have been able to answer, ask this question, for Daniel would not have been trusting God. 
Well, there's one final point to be made here. As we saw, Daniel's consistent walk with God, walk with God was uh, reflected in the good work that he did as a government administrator. But his faithfulness was not in deed only. It was also in words. Look at verses 26 and 27. This is a decree that the king made after rescuing Daniel from the lion's den. The king says, I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. He delivers and rescues and he works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth who has delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. King Darius has some wonderful truth to proclaim about God, doesn't he? I wonder where he got it. You think this pagan king just picked up a Bible and figured all this out on his own? I doubt it. I bet Daniel told Darius about the living God, the God who is true and holy, powerful, and sovereign. One Sunday morning in 1872, evangelist Dwight L. Moody was visiting a church for a series of sermon meetings. And the pastor of that church pointed out a family in the front row. And he said, that family was one with a smile. And Moody said, well, how did that happen? Well, the pastor began to explain. One morning, this pastor was walking to work to his office at the church. And there was a child in the window at the house near the sidewalk. And the pastor smiled at that child and the child smiled back. And the pastor went on to work. The next morning, he was walking down the same sidewalk. And this time, there were two children in the window. And the pastor smiled at them. They smiled back. And he went on to the church. Over the next few days, the crowd grew until one morning there was five children and a woman in the window. And this was their mother. Well, he smiled at them and they all smiled back. And she noticed that he had a Bible under his, uh, carrying a Bible under his arm. And so she knew he was a, a minister. And so that whole family began to come to church. And they, there they heard the word of God and were saved. This family was one with a smile. And they were saved through the word. Well, in the same way, uh, like this pastor Daniel witnessed with his life. But he also witnessed with his words. And this consistent pattern of life fostered courage for Daniel. And he was able to keep on during a trial of life and death. You know, it's easy to live a positive, consistent pattern of life before God when things are going well. But what about when things are not going well? Sometimes it's easy to give up that consistency for what seems expedient at the moment. But no, like Daniel, let's just keep on with that consistency for it helps foster the courage that we need in times of trial. Daniel had a courage that was fostered by consistency. So far, we have seen that uh, the believer in Christ must sometimes face trial with courage. 
And this is not really a grit-your-teeth kind of courage. It is rather a courage that flows out of conviction and consistency. Daniel had a courage that was fueled by conviction and fostered by consistency. But he also had a courage that was formed by confidence. Look at verse 23. Now the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him because he believed in his God. In March 1977, a torrent of water wrecked the Kosher Coal Company mine in Tower City, Pennsylvania. Nine miners were killed, but Ronald Adley survived. For 29 hours, he was in that cold, wet tomb. And yet, his confidence that his family, friends, and co-workers would find him never wavered. At one point, he thought he heard tapping on the wall. And very hesitantly, he tapped back. And in a few minutes, a drill broke through that wall And light and life came to Ronald Adley. His confidence in his family, friends, and co-workers had not been misplaced. But where did Daniel get his conviction and his consistency? It all came from his confidence. But it was not a confidence in family, friends, or co-workers. And it was certainly not a self-confidence. It was rather a confidence in God. Did you notice the end of verse 23? He believed in his God. Daniel trusted God for his deliverance. And in this, he was very much like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego back in the chapter 3 in the fiery furnace episode. There, those three told King Nebuchadnezzar that they would not bow before the idol. And they said in chapter 3, verses 17 and 18, Our God, whom we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. No matter what might happen, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted God. And no matter what might happen, Daniel, too, trusted God. I am reminded of another hero of the Bible, the Apostle Paul. Listen to his description of his life in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. This is 2 Corinthians eleven twenty-three to 28. Are they ministers of Christ? I speak as a fool. I am more. In labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequently, in deaths often. From the Jews, five times I received 40 stripes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I have been in the deep. In journeys often, in perils of waters in perils of robbers, in perils of my own countrymen, in perils of the Gentiles, in perils in the city, in perils in the wilderness, 
in perils in the sea, in perils among false brethren, in weariness and toil, in sleeplessness often, in hunger and thirst, in fastings often, in cold and nakedness, besides the other things, what comes upon me daily, my deep concern for the churches. Wow. How could Paul face this daily onslaught? How could this man of God even drag himself out of bed every morning? Well, the key he wrote to us a few years earlier than that in the letter to the Galatians. For in Galatians 2.20, Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul lived by faith. Daniel lived by faith. Paul's confidence was in Christ. Daniel's confidence was in God. And it was this confidence that made it possible to have courage in the face of difficulty and even death. And a few years after this, from a Roman prison, Paul could write, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Daniel had a courage that was formed by confidence in God. When businessman Alan Emery was in the wool business, he decided he wanted to get a feel for the total business. And so he spent the night on a Texas prairie with a shepherd and his flock of sheep. Things were pretty quiet, but during the night, the coyotes began to wail in the distance. The sheepdogs jumped up and began to growl and bark as they peered into the darkness. The sheep, which had been asleep, also jumped up and began to mill around, very agitated. The shepherd just threw a couple of more logs on the fire, and as Emery looked out, he could see a thousand little lights And he realized that those little lights were the reflection of the fire in the eyes of the sheep. And it dawned on him. The sheep were not looking in the darkness where the danger was coming from. But their sheep had their eye on their shepherd. You see, these sheep were convicted that their shepherd could take care of them. They had followed him consistently, and he had never let them down. Why would he now? And they had confidence that their shepherd would meet their need. Well, in times of trial like Daniel, we need to keep our eyes on Jesus, the good shepherd. May we be believers who stand with conviction, who live consistently and have confidence in Christ. The believer must have courage like Daniel to walk with Christ through trials. And we can have a courage fueled by conviction, fostered by consistency, and formed by confidence in Christ. May we be believers who are characterized by conviction, consistency, and confidence in Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for teaching us from the life of Daniel the importance of having conviction about you, the importance of living consistently for you, and the importance 
of having confidence in you. May we do these things and thus have courage in time of trial. In Christ's name, amen.